Lord, we do recognize your exaltation. We recognize that you were crucified, you were raised again on the third day, and then you sat down and took your place at the right hand of the Father. And today, Lord, you are the exalted Lord. There's no higher seat, there's no greater throne, there's no God above you. You are the exalted Lord Jesus Christ. The triumph parade has already taken place. Your, your seat is not in question. Lord, we just do bow our knee to you. We bow our knee to your kingship, to your lordship over this world and over us individually, over our lives. And Holy Spirit, we just want to welcome you tonight in this place, recognizing that you, that this is the age, this is your age. As the Father sent the Son, the Son has sent you to, to seal us and lead us home and to live through us, Holy Spirit of the living God. We praise you that you are God. And we just submit to your government here tonight. We long for you to make Jesus more real to us tonight, Holy Spirit. That is what you came to do. You came to not point people to you, but to point people to the glorified Lord. And we praise you for your ministry. And we praise you for your presence in this place. And we give you ourselves tonight. We give you ourselves. And we ask you that you will help us to hear. Give us an anointing to speak, an anointing to hear tonight, Father. Lord, in this critical hour of the church, in this critical hour of America, in this critical hour of this planet, we are desperate for you. We need your spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit of God. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Can you, my water, can you meet me halfway, Joe, with the water? Instead of one of us going the whole way. You've been, you've been used to meeting me halfway for a long time, haven't you? You ventured out in all this cold, huh? Well, I'm impressed. Thank you, Lord. Well, how many of you were not here last week? Raise your hand. We're not here last week. Oh, most of you were here last week. Good. Let's, uh, I'm just going to really, really, real quick, just um, go over real quick a few things we did say last week. Um, what we did, we compared two Sundays. Does anybody remember the name of the two Sundays? Ah, uh, Brother Chris. Resurrection Sunday and Pentecost Sunday. And what we saw was, on both those occasions, uh, there was a reception of the Holy Spirit. On, on the 
Resurrection Sunday, Jesus walked into the room of his disciples and he said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. And those that understand Greek tell me that the sense in which the Greek has it, it was not as if he just generally said in, a, in, in one big, you know, um, one big sense that they all at that same moment received it. The Greek tells us that it was as if he, he spoke to each individual person and literally uh, imparted the spirit to each one at that moment. We, we spoke about the fact that those, those brothers moved from Old Testament salvation at that point to New Testament salvation. Um, and so we talked about the fact that, yes, they did receive the Holy Spirit. So the, so the people that um, in the church that believe you um, have to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit to have any experience of the Holy Spirit, I believe clearly we can see from the Word that that's not true. They did receive the Holy Spirit. It was the resurrection life of Jesus they received. It was the life that now went through the cross, went through death. Death couldn't hold it. And it was the resurrection life of Jesus now imparted to these disciples, to these men. And, uh, and we see, but we do see at this point that having received the Holy Spirit, we notice some things. We notice that they still didn't have much direction for their lives. We notice that um, Peter actually went off fishing again quick, soon after that experience. And we realize that um, while this was obviously a tremendous experience to have the Holy Spirit come by his life to live within you, it didn't change Jerusalem. It didn't change, it didn't change anything in the environment around them. And then what we see is as Jesus gave them his, breathed his spirit into them. But then we see later on that the Lord meets them and says to them, the same men, I want you to go and tarry in Jerusalem. And I want you to wait for the endowment, empowering of my Holy Spirit. Well, the question we asked last week was, I thought they had the Holy Spirit. Well, the truth is, they did have the Holy Spirit. But there was another experience. Just as um, we're immersed in water when we're baptized in water, this was now an immersion in the Holy Spirit um, that was now going to come upon them not, it wasn't imparted to them by his breath. It was now an immersion coming from, the, from above them, over them. Isn't it interesting that the Lord Jesus himself, who we know nothing about, uh, well, we know, some, we know some incidents of his life. We know, we know him leaving the temple when he was 12 years old. We certainly know his birth. But we hear nothing else about the Lord's life until he's 30 years old. And at that time, the Lord Jesus 
starts his public ministry. And, and at that point, he goes to the River Jordan. You remember the story. And he gets into the waters of the Jordan, and he is immersed and baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. But now John, with perception from the Holy Spirit, something I'm going to call a little later discernment of spirits, now by the perception of the Holy Spirit, John sees the Holy Spirit come down on Jesus, the Lord Jesus, as a dove. Now, that doesn't mean a dove came down. It means the Holy Spirit came like a dove upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, to me, and, and many commentators, what we see here is that the Lord Jesus himself, now as his, that human part of him, he's now starting. We, have, we know of no miracle that he performed until that moment, until he began his public ministry and the Holy Spirit came upon him. My question is this. If you took out the supernatural from the book of Acts, what would you have? Any of you that know, ever read the, the book of Acts at all? What, what, what would you have? No power. Well, I mean, so it, it still remains, it's a confusion to me. You know, now, um, there are people called cessationists who believe that that power was there for the first century, and it was to stop, and it stopped after that. Um, I recently listened to something by Lance Lambert. I wish I knew church history the way he does, but he was kind of like, really? So should we cut out uh, part of 12, 1 Corinthians 12, all of 1 Corinthians 14, when, what about um, Thessalonians when it says, you know, despise not prophesying? Uh, I mean, we, there are so many verses. Do you have to cut all those out? And Lance said this. He said, the gifts have never ceased from the church. They have never ceased from the church. And whenever you read, you go back and read it. Re 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 read the revivals, whether it was Wesley, whether it was the Huguenots, whether it was the Quakers. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall, young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And he goes on to talk about the wonders in heaven and, and that will be displayed. Well, uh, all commentators agree that there was a certain fulfillment of it, but not the total fulfillment of it. So we see right here that Peter gets up and says, this is that. This is what Joel was saying. He's going to pour out his spirit. On, uh, and, and he's explaining to, to people what this is. He got the revelation. But we all know that this, that this is going to be fulfilled completely in the very end of the age. I personally believe 
we are very close to that point. I do. And my question is, should we just say that that is that not going to happen? Did we not just hear about prophesying and 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 in dreams and interpretation of dreams? I mean, I just believe that the the period the church is moving into, I believe that there is going to be a great outpouring of the Spirit. I, along with many, believe there's going to be a great outpouring of the Spirit. And, and I, it's funny, I was talking uh, again to, uh, I think I mentioned last week, to Arlene Helmig. My, my, many of you know her, and uh, Arlene up in New Hampshire. And even though we, I told you we had been talking, what I didn't know is when I spoke to her yesterday on the phone, she told me that the church that her and Stu now are in the pastor is talking about the exact, bringing the exact scriptures and talking about the exact, I, I said, what? You mean right now he's doing this? She said, oh, yeah, he's, he's talking on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. I said, you're kidding me. She said, no, that's what he's been doing the last two weeks. And I thought, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the encouragement. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is um, moving us to understand the supernatural power we're going to need in the days ahead. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gateway to the supernatural. It's not a goal. It's a doorway. And therefore, in my opinion, it is extremely, uh, there is extreme warfare against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you want, and people, as a people, as the church, individually, when you start to move toward the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is, there is re real resistance to the people of God to move in this way. I mean, wait a minute, help me with something here. The church is a heavenly people. I mean, we're not an organization I mean, the whole, what is the church? Except the church is connected, seated with Christ in heavenly places, and we are the body in touch with the head, and we are his hands and feet, and we are now, he is now living his life through the church. This is God's idea. I personally believe that God sometimes has a stumbling block. Get rid of the idea that it's only, you know, crazy, uh, uneducated, whatever the devil wants to sell us about the kind of people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me just read you a paragraph or two. This is from a book called by Sam Storms. Um, Sam, um, Sam was with Mike Bickle for a while, and uh, he's very, from what I know about Sam, He's very interested in seeing the two communities, the evangelicals and the charismatics, uh, kind of come to a, a, a middle ground with each other. But I picked up this book by Sam today, and I just want to read you a few things. First of all, he went, he's going through uh, a list of his, he, where he was raised, in the church, Presbyterian church he was, grew in, and blah, blah, blah. And he's talking about his, his discouragement about the church in general. And he goes on to say, my conclusion is this. The real problems, the painful struggles, and our diminishing impact won't be solved short of a fresh 
infusion of power. Not just any power, mind you, but spiritual power. The kind of power that human flesh can't produce and education can't conceive and revamped programs can't strategize. The church desperately needs the power of her Lord and the energy and activity of the Holy Spirit. Each one of you have a psalm, a hymn, a tongue. And I was, I was longing to start it on Wednesday night once a month because I felt, well, this church in its inception for 10 years, those are the meetings we had every Sunday. And I wouldn't be preaching today if I was not raised in an open church atmosphere like that. Because in an open church atmosphere, what you do is we had the Lord's table and everybody's chairs were around it. John, you remember. Both, both of you remember. You were little kids sitting there saying, get me out of here. I want to go home and see the football game. Boy, God's a miracle worker. And you're two up there today playing your instruments. Unbelievable. Um, but the thing about the open church meeting is there's no real leadership in the sense. It's not, it's not Everybody is free to stand up. I mean, there's certain guidelines, of course. This, this is not haphazard. But people stand up with a psalm. I read, you know, somebody has a short testimony. Somebody shares something they got in the Word that week. It's the body, edifying the body. It isn't a bunch of people up on the platform. It's the whole body edifying the body. And I think you've heard me say it, if you've been around here any time at all, you've heard me say, I have, those open meetings were some of the best meetings I have ever experienced in my Christian life. And those meetings were some of the worst meetings I have ever experienced in my life. You know why? Because when you come to church here on Sunday these days, you don't get a temperature of the, of the, of the church. You don't really get a, a temperature of how the spiritual temperature, that's the word. But when you have an open church meeting, if everybody's Bible's been on the shelf for two weeks, and nobody's been talking to God at all, and every, you know what? You know it. And everybody's looking at their toes and at their shoes, you know. I love open church meetings. And I, and I always throw this, this, this sentence in as well. I think, you know, when the church has had to go underground, which it has very often, may have to do again, you know, it's not the music ministry and the platform people. It's people in basements around the Lord's table edifying one another, praying and looking to God. I want this so much for our church. If you read in 1 Corinthians 14 what it says about tongues, which we're going to mention a little bit later, I'm going to mention three different reasons why we do. But one of them is to edify yourself. Now, why would it be true that some people can edify themselves and yet God isn't, isn't giving that gift to everyone? So if you're somebody who was prayed for last week and you opened your heart and ask God to fill you with the Spirit, and you did not speak in tongues, you can. You can. The outflow, and, and, and I mentioned last week that the enemy will always tell you, well, you're just doing it. Well, you are doing it. Because whenever you're not doing it, that's demonic powers. God never forces it. You, your will is always involved when you cooperate with God. You, you, the will is the, your will is the switch. 
You put, you turn the switch on, you start praying, you decide to pray in tongues, you decide to stop praying in tongues. There's no force that's going to take you over that you are not going to be, that's, that some power is bigger than you and making you do anything. But once you have the gifts of speaking in tongues, you can speak in tongues anytime you want. Because you're, it's your gift and you're in charge of it. And if you were baptized last week and you did not speak in tongues, it's great. I mean, I, re, I was prayed for with the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle many years ago. And, you know, I just, Joe and I were talking earlier. I praise God for Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle. Because that church on Long Island, I mean, they are, they are a very, can I say, affluent church? They have very educated people. The man who invented the MRI used to be a member of Smithtown Tabernacle. That's the caliber of some of the people that have been in there. They have held the ground for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for as long, I think, since the 1950s. Well, praise God for them. They never backed off of the, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Praise God for them. Well, we went there, and we were prayed for uh, for the baptism. That's where we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Joe and myself and some of the people that were in our Bible study at the time. I personally did not speak in tongues that night. I know why. I was too self-conscious. I mean, I, I, I wasn't free enough to do it. But like two days later in my own bedroom as I kneeled beside my bed, and I just, I had tongues. So if you're one of those people that were prayed for last week and you didn't receive the you didn't receive tongues, I I want to convince you. I want to convince you that it's yours and that you just have to turn that switch. You just have to know that God is uh, we used um, oh, Luke 11. Let me read you Luke 11 again. I love Luke 11. 11 to 13. If a son asks for bread, from any father among you, will he give him a stone? How many, how many dads in here? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? How much clearer could God be? He's so sweet. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If, he, if you then, being evil, I'm evil in comparison to how good God is, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Could that be any plainer? Isn't God sweet to know the kind of warfare you're going to be, go through? Because you know what the devil says? Oh, you better be careful. You don't know what you're going to get. I want to say to you, if you ask for something good from your father, you are going to get something good. I just love it that God has it right in his word to tell us if you ask for the Holy Spirit and you do have to ask. And for those of us that, you know, that are standing on the threshold and maybe need some more teaching or, or maybe aren't totally, con I just want to say, how could getting more of God be a bad thing? Somebody has to explain that to me. How could getting more of God be a bad thing? Let's take a quick look at your, we want to get into prayer tonight, but let's take a quick look at your notes for tonight. Because tonight, one of my goals tonight was just to give you a quick synopsis of 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11, 
So we might look at the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not, it's not a doctrinal issue, just a convenience issue. Many people have relegated them into three different categories. Revelatory gifts or revelation gifts, power gifts, and vocal gifts. Um, so we start with a word of wisdom. Um, now let's see, because I have to have my... Make sure I have my list here of, yeah, that's my other list. Okay, sorry. Um, revelation, we're going to start with the revelation gifts. A word of wisdom. Now, what we have here as a definition is a tiny portion of God's total wisdom directly and supernaturally imparted by the Holy Spirit. And what I've noted is Luke 5, 4 through 10. And this is the story of the disciples who were fishing all night, remember? And they caught nothing, right? Um, uh, let's see. But Simon, uh, let's see. So when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. Simon said, yeah, but Lord, Master, we've told all, all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And when he did, they caught a great number of fish and the net was breaking. This is an instance of a word of wisdom. Um, now remember, it, you know, we have to sometimes get free of that religious thinking we have about Jesus as though he was God, just walking through, just, you know, that he was t only God. Well, he wasn't just only God, he was all God, but he was all man. And so he needed, the, he, all the gifts were operating in Jesus. In other words, Jesus was God's perfect man. It, you look at Jesus and that's what God wants to see for every single son and daughter that he has. So Jesus is the one who did it all perfectly. Jesus shows us that through his life all the gifts of the Spirit operating magnificently and perfectly through him. So that was the gift of wisdom that we see. Jesus gave him a word of divine directive, uh, a direction about where to fish. Uh, somebody said this, words of wisdom solve disputes, problems, and quandaries and I want to ask you, how many times are you in the need of wisdom? All the time. So isn't it amazing? This is a supernatural gift that God wants to give us so that we have supernatural wisdom. You know, I love the fact that, you know, it, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, the cultured, the, the uh, affluent, the educated, uh, nobody has anything over anybody. You can have a PhD in the room and you can have, you know, um, your neighborhood uh, garbage man and God, the gifts are, God gives the gifts as he, as he wills. There is no, uh, you know, there's, there's no, nobody has an edge on God. It's not education. It, it's none of the above. It's that God gives gifts, uh, this Corinthians tells us, as he wills, the Spirit gives to each. And isn't that wonderful of God to do that? So that there'll be no, there's no worldly kind of, a, of scales the way we have in, 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 in our world, right? I mean, and, and people look at each other and we all, you kind of feel, well, this person's here and this person's there and this person has this. And, and that all cut, that's all cut. At the cross, that's all gone. And so it is with the gifts as well. Okay, so that's the word of wisdom. Um, you know, another situation in the, in the book of Acts, 
in chapter 6, if you remember, a dispute arose among um, Jewish Christians that, uh, widows, I believe, that spoke uh, Arabic and, and Jewish Christians that spoke Greek. And so there was a big dispute about it. Were the apostles supposed to wait on tables? And the word of wisdom came. No, it wasn't right for the apostles to be giving the time to uh, wait on the tables. Let's get together seven uh, men filled with the spirit that they can, they can, they can plan this. And, and before you know it, everything was fine. Well, what was that? That was a gift of wisdom that was given to the church to, to, um, to settle that, that problem. So we go from a word of wisdom to a word of knowledge. And the word of knowledge is a tiny portion of God's total knowledge, supernaturally imparted by the Holy Spirit. It does not come by natural reasoning. Now, you probably immediately think uh, a word of knowledge. Remember jo Jesus at the well uh, with the woman of Samaria in John 4? Remember when she and he said, you know, go get your husband. And she said, well, actually, I'm, you know, I don't have a husband. And he said, no, I know. In fact, the last, and he went and told her all about her life. That is a word of knowledge. Let me ask you a question. I mean, with the, ch with the world, you know, kind of so dismissing the church, what do you think would happen if you sat down with a coworker or a waitress or someone and God gives, drops in you a word of knowledge to give that person about their life? Do you think that that's going to have some impact? I do. I think we need the power of God. That's what I think. I think they don't want to hear from us. I think when you, when you give them something, when God touches them on such a level, I want to tell you then they're interested in listening to you. So that's a word of knowledge, and it's plenty of, you know, plenty of illustrations. Discerning of spirits. Um, a discernment is a form of direct perception given by the spirit. Um, John the Baptist, I said before, discerned the Holy Spirit coming down on Jesus in the River Jordan. Paul's journey in the book of Acts, in, in Acts 27, uh, when, when they were shipwrecked, Paul, uh, a, an angel uh, came and spoke to Paul. But Paul was the only one who saw the angel, and so Paul was able to discern, was to discern, that, uh, discern the angel. In Acts 14, Paul discerned that a crippled man, it said, this was, this was at Lystra, uh, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul, say, Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing the, that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. Paul seeing that he had faith to be healed. The discernment of spirits, it can be the discernment of a human spirit, Remember Jesus said to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, I saw, saw you under the tree. And, and he goes on to tell him that you're a man without guile. Jesus had, Jesus discerned this man's human spirit. Or we discern angels, we discern the Holy Spirit, and we also discern, we can discern demonic powers. Um, I remember the time that, um, I remember Joe and I were walking out of our old church building and walking across the street from the house we used to have, and we were walking into the, into the little building, the church service, and there was a person that was pretty irate and pretty upset about something, and I was standing behind Joe and this, this brother who was walking with him, and I saw a monkey. I saw a monkey. 
jump from that man and onto and onto Jeff. And I was aghast. I mean, I couldn't even speak. All I can tell you was in the spirit. I mean, often demonic spirits will look like animals. I can't tell you I've had many of those experiences. I haven't. But I can tell you that was as clear. I mean, that was so clear to me. And uh, so discerning of spirits, you know, um, how many think that might be a good thing to have in the days we're living in? Yeah, me too. Um, okay, now we're moving over to the power gifts. Faith, the gift of faith that comes from the Holy Spirit is miraculous faith. Now, you know, we could just go through the whole Bible, right? I mean, we've got Elijah controlling rain and dew, saying it's not going to rain for three years, right? Um, we've got Jesus calming the storm. We've got Lazarus being raised from the dead. Uh, Paul raised a, a person from the dead. Didn't the guy that fell out of the window, wasn't, didn't he die? And Paul raised him from the dead. Joshua commanded the sun to, to be still at, at one point. Remember that? Joshua 10. So we know that. Gifts of healing? Well, we'd have to go through the whole Bible for that because um, the Bible is filled with uh, the example of physical healings. Um, relieving one of disease, injury, or pain, physical, emotional, or mental. Uh, Luke 4, when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus, and, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. I mean, we see that all through. We see it through Jesus' life, of course, and we see it through the church in the book of Acts. One healing after another, the raising, even the raising of, dead, of the dead. Working of miracles. God-given ability to demonstrate the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit work. Well, the Bible is a book of miracles. If you want to start with Moses parting the sea, and um, we said Joshua making the sun stand still. I mean, miracles, uh, as Christians, I mean, the miracles are a part of our whole faith. And I remember the day, my Jennifer's not here, is she? Come on. Where is she? Is that her over there with the hat on? Oh. I didn't know that was you, Jen. Well, when Jen was in junior high school, I can share this, Jen, right? I, I've shared it before. I don't know if she was. She was younger then and a little bit more self-conscious. Today, I don't think she is. But she was a young girl, and, and she had a, a, a problem on her face with, with actually, it was warts. And we took her to doctors, we took her to specialists, and the doctors all said, there's nothing you can do about this. This is going to have to out, it's just going to have to, you know, do its, run its course. And I, I'll never forget as long as I live. I was sitting at my dressing table, and I had some Christian music playing, and all of a sudden, this anger rose up in me like, really? Really? I don't think so. And I got up and I walked into that kid's room. I don't even remember. Jen, how old were you? 12? I don't know. 14. I walked in her room and I just put my hand on her and I just cursed those things. And the next day, her face was clear. I mean, you know what? When you've had enough things like this in your own life, nobody can talk you. Nobody can tell me miracles aren't for today. Or they, I saw that with our own eyes. We were all flabbergasted. Do you think the church needs us? How about you? Me too. And I want to tell you, I want to get, I want, I want to be renewed in my, in my faith, in the gifts, 
and in the gifts operating in this place. The last are the vocal gifts, and these are the gifts that seem to cause the most trouble, and you're going to be doing them tonight. You are actually going to be moving in the gifts tonight, in these gifts. Different kinds of tongues, the ability given by the Holy Spirit to speak in a language not understood by the speaker. There are public and private tongues. I think I said that before. There's your private tongue, which is in, um, and I'm looking at 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Excuse me? What did you just say, Paul? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Well, that's interesting because all through the New Testament, we are encouraged, almost commanded to desire spiritual gifts. I mean, if God has them for us, what do I have to do? Cut out? I guess I have to cut out 1 Corinthians 14 if I think it's not for today. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Um, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Okay, that's one reason you speak in tongues privately, because you're speaking secrets and mysteries to God. Uh, I should say the first reason is you are spirit to spirit connecting with God when you, when you pray in, the, in tongues. It is, not, it is not coming from your head. It is coming from, it's not coming from your soul. It is coming from your spirit, and you are in spirit to spirit contact with God. Well, I like that. And you're speaking mysteries to God, uh, 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 things that your head doesn't get. That's exciting to me. And uh, he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Just stop and look at the word edify. And look how many times you're going to find edify in the chapter, of four, uh, chapter 14. Can I underline this about a thousand times? The gifts of the Spirit is not to show off. They're not for sensationalism. They're not to make uh, to, to, to people to put each other in, in categories of who's most spiritual. It has nothing to do with how spiritual you are, what your gifts are. Trust me. We're not talking about ministry gifts now. We're talking about the, the spiritual gifts here. And... The reason for the gifts is to edify the church. It is to build up one another. God gave, you say, well, I don't know what my gifts are. I don't know who I am. Well, God gave you gifts to, be, to build up the body of Christ. You get baptized in the Spirit, and God gives you gifts to bless you that you might bless others. So here we go with... Um, he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, I said this, and comfort to men. But he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies, prophesies edifies the church. But now look, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more than you, even more that you prophesied. But wait, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. In other words, it's, it's more, more people are blessed, unless he indeed interprets that the church may receive edification. In other words, he's saying if you're prophesying and speaking in the, lang the known language to the church, you're, you're edifying everybody. Uh, but if you are, if there's a tongue and an interpretation to the tongue, that's just as good as prophesying. Because the message is given to the church. So there's different kinds of tongues. 
There's a personal tongue, and there's tongues for interpretation. So, um, different kinds of tongues. Then interpretation of tongues, the ability given by the Holy Spirit to speak in a language understood by the speaker, the meaning of words previously spoken in an unknown tongue. What's interpretation of tongues? Somebody has a tongue, and then somebody with the gift of interpretation. Now, it's not like they're literally translating it literally. You're getting the sense of the message. So sometimes you'll see there'll be like somebody's tongue will be long and the interpretation may be much shorter. So don't, don't look always for it to be. It's not an exact literal translation. It is an interpretation. So it's, so it's interpretation of tongues. And then there's prophecy. Prophecy, the ability to speak words given by the Holy Spirit in a language understood by the speaker. I'm speaking and I'm prophesying. And I'm saying God really wants us to know tonight that we're not to fear and we're to go through the door of death because on the other side is a great adventure like we heard on Sunday. Um, and I say this, your sons, and, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those, day, those days and they will prophesy. So prophecy is I'm, I, I'm speaking in my native tongue and I'm giving a message that I believe God wants the assembly to hear. Okay, so those are the vocal, the vocal gifts. I hope they help somewhat. Um, I'd love to highly recommend Derek Prince's book. I wrote it down here. Um, the Gifts of the Spirit by Derek Prince. Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. I think it's Jack Deere, and I put John Deere. I think it's Jack Deere. Is it Jack? Does anybody know? Jack Deere, I think, right? This is on the bottom of your notes tonight, on the second page. Okay. Okay. This is what I would like to do tonight. Is everybody with me? I'm going to stop a minute and say, does anybody have a comment or a question they want, they want to ask? Hopefully I can answer it. Anybody have a question? So, you look pretty convinced. I mean, you look like you're listening. You look, Kathleen. With no one leading it. Yeah. 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 I've heard of that, Kathleen, before. I've never actually been in a meeting like that, but I've heard of it before. So this is what I'd like to do. We're going to have, this, this, we're going to have the music people come back up, and we're going to have some worship. And, and then I'm, if you are someone who has, is not baptized in the, with the Holy Spirit, and you would like to be, then I'm going to ask you to come up first. Uh, and I don't know if there's people in the, if that's true for anybody in this room, but that's going to be my first call. After that, I'm going to ask you if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we're trusting the Lord that Joe and I want to stand into our, our, um, into our function and believe God as we lay hands on those of you that have been baptized in the Spirit. We're going to ask God to fill you anew with fresh oil tonight and that God would renew you 
Uh, so that's going to be my second call. And then after that, you don't want to rush out of here, because after that, wait a minute, let me just read this to you. Let me read this to you. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13, if you have your Bible open, you want to mark this verse. Now, this could very easily change your life, and I'm not being dramatic when I say it to you. And perhaps this is already true for some of you, but I think probably for most of you it isn't true. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Pray that he may interpret. And this is what we're going to do. After we've prayed... We're all going to, I'm going to give you a little period of time, and you're going to pray in tongues, like a minute or so. You're going to break the sound barrier, because that's important, but not so loud that you're going to disturb your neighbor. And then after you do that, we're going to then pray, Lord, according to your word, I'm asking you to give me the interpretation to my tongue. How would you like to be able to ask God for direction and pray in your life and have tongues? This is, this is, one, of the, this is one of the reasons God has given us this, this gift. And have God speak to you and, and interpret that tongue to you, what he wants you to know. Now, very often, tongues are either worship this way, and, and you may find out an interpretation may be praising God, or it may be God using your own lips to speak something to you. So that's what we're going to do in a little while. But what we're going to do first, just, just to let you know how the, the, the layout of the land, but now as they start to sing and, and they start to play their music, I'm going to ask you, if you have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit and you want to be, or you were there last week and you haven't spoken tongues yet, then come on up and I'd like to encourage you and pray with you that you might. Okay, and then after that, if you've already been baptized, but you want fresh oil in your life, then I'm going to ask you to come up for that. Okay? Sounds good. Thank you, my brothers and sisters. I would like you to lead us in some worship. Now just feel free at any time if you want to be prayed for for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to come up. Don't be shy. 